0: Um, like Arnold Schwarzenegger I'll be back I am okay okay so um, August 15th I finished a three-month sabbatical I'm very thankful that Bethany allowed me to have a three-month sabbatical I want to have some introductory thoughts about the sabbatical um, and then maybe some intro comments about my particular sabbatical you can ask questions because really I'll be here for the next three weeks not quite sure what would be of most benefit. Obviously, I have three weeks worth of material that I could share with you and, and more, but, um, but I kind of want uh, um, to have an interaction between pastor and congregation, and, and I can uh, alter things for the next couple of weeks um, after after my introductory comments. Okay, uh, sabbatical obviously comes from um, Sabbath, the day of day of rest, and the idea in the Old Testament was, was not only to uh, to, for, for people to rest the seventh day, and God seth, Himself sets the pattern. Um, but then also there is a, uh, then we, we eventually will have a, um, you know, the idea of, of resting your land. And, and then even um, the seventh seventh would be total freedom of any slaves, etc. Like, like this. And in, in Israel, so it has the ancient concept. So the idea of a pastor sabbatical is a time really of rest, renewal and recreation for service in the Lord. And, and that's how I, I, I definitely approach it. We'll talk a little bit about some of those thoughts in a couple minutes. But that's just uh, uh, introductory thoughts right right there. Um, and so just to let you know, I kind of was broke up in phases. Um, introductory phase from May 15th to the first part of June was basically around here. Um, you know, helped out because my, my wife watches uh, uh, three little grandchildren. And uh, I was to help her out a little bit more, so I'd, I'd get up to the Naperville Public Library about 9 a.m. spread out basically Hebrew, but I was also working on some some other things. I was working through a, um, C.S. Lewis's Abolition of Man and a, Michael Ward's commentary on that. Um, also, uh, with Hebrew, I was working, I'll talk more about that this is the lesson today, is actually working on an advanced grammar to help my improve my my, my Hebrew. Um, but also did um, other other doing outside, able to read what I wanted to for three months. So it's the introductory phase, June 6th through 16th. Paul and I were in England, Scotland, and Wales. I've had the opportunity to be in London three times, but I, I have no idea what England was like, so now I do, including driving. You fly. On the 6th of June, you arrive on the 7th, go to the airport and you rent a car and you drive all the way to Edinburgh on very little sleep on the opposite side of the road, including Welsh streets, which are like this wide. And uh, and I don't know, and, and intuitively, I don't know how to use the rear view mirrors properly, some like of this, and so it's quite a day. And then, and then uh, so we started in Scotland, moved our way back down to London, and then we I, on 16th, Paul flew back, because he's got to go to work. I flew to Berlin. Um, I was in, uh, flew to Berlin, then went to Leipzig because I had the occasion to be at Bach Fest for two days. It's kind of interesting. I love Bach, and including hearing the St. John's Passion in Bach's original church. So it's a kind of, that was kind of cool, a very, very wonderful production, but also heard four concerts in, in two days. So it's, a, so it's a very musical time. Went, went from there to, to Vienna. Why Vienna? Never seen it? supposed to be nice, but also my dad was stationed there when he was in the Air Force Intelligence in, in, during the Korean War. And so my parents love it. My dad's favorite city in the world. My dad's passed away. So kind of an honor my father. Went to Vienna for a couple days. Um, went back up to uh, Dresden. So, I'll, for example, the, we'll talk more about this. And uh, the largest, maybe the most ornate Lutheran parish ever constructed, the Frauenkirche, which is totally rebuilt after World War II, because it was totally leveled, like all of Dresden. Very sad story. Um, and then saw Luther sites, met up with a Luther scholar in, um, in Wittenberg, Dr. Robert Kolbe, who has spoken here at Bethany many years ago. Do you, any of you remember Dr. Cole being here at Bethany? Like, about 20 years ago, I, I brought him in, because he also is very interested in the small catechism. And then uh, after Luther sites, basically then fly back on the, on the 30th. Okay, that's kind of my schedule then. Then after that, uh, Amy, and I took a little bit of time off, but also we, we went to Minnesota. We do that every summer anyway, but we also took extra time because Amy's mother's health was uh, not good. So it was, we, we spent an extra week there to help her out, came back and studied Hebrew more. And now, now try to just do Hebrew reading. So I just like read you know, say, two, three chapters a day in the book of Exodus or, or other things. It was relatively easy Hebrew. Narrative is much easier than reading poetry, you know, and then also was reading some poetry in, in anticipation of coming back here because we're in the book of Isaiah now. So That's kind of how I use my time. So my, the, the theme as I approached my sabbatical is uh, to return to my roots. Um, a heavy, heavy focus on making sure my devotional life was with Santa read some devotional booklets spending a lot of time in God's Word and improving my knowledge of God's Word, hence, hence the Hebrew. I had worked during the last school year, worked through my basic Hebrew grammar um, that we used in college. And then, so that's why I was looking at advanced Hebrew grammar uh, once the sabbatical began. Um, and then also uh, returning to my roots as a, as a confessional Lutheran pastor, hence uh, um, the, the Luther land. Because uh, in 2016, when you're leading a tour, the, bus, the tour guide says, you'll be here, get back to the bus at this time. Now, there were no crowds, and no one told me I had to go back to the bus. And so I'm very happy about that. So I, um, and then also other extensive reading, you know, just because um, I think to be a better pastor, you need to be well read in a lot of different areas, including part of it was, I'm, I'm well over half now, reading uh, David Copperfield, Charles Dickens. So it's a, you know, uh, You know, so reading Dickens is a joy, but it's rather a long book. So, so, Rooted, so returning to my roots is my theme, okay? And so my proposal for the next three weeks is to, is to focus on, on, uh, on you being rooted in Christ, rooted in God's Word, rooted as a Lutheran, and then uh, rooted in Christ, living in your vocation as Christians. Okay, that's my proposal. Um, So, any questions or comments? Well, what would you want me to talk about? I can talk forever. You have to understand. I'm Pastor Schumacher. I can talk a lot. And if I'm talking too quickly, tell me, because that's one thing I didn't work on is my rate of speech. Yes? Interesting things from Hebrew. Interesting things from Hebrew. Oh, I, I, you, you run into things all the time because there is no way, anyone who knows anything about a second language is there's no way that any one language can correspond one-to-one in another language. You just, you can't, you can't do that. And so, and so for example, um, in last Sunday's Old Testament lesson, I, I, I was reading that ahead of time also, and the, and the Hebrew word in Isaiah 56, I think, verse 6, uh, you know, that, that, that is, is to, is where there's, is the Gentiles, talking about the Gentiles, will be serving, but the, the Hebrew word is for liturgical service in God's house. And in other words, if we turn, if, and this kind of mesh with, with Ezekiel 40 to 48, where, where the eternal kingdom is talked about as God's house permanently restored, right? And we even have some of this in, in the book of Revelation, the New Jerusalem, right? Okay, and so, of course, this is almost scandalous because Gentiles are serving in the Lord's house. In the Old Testament, are any Gentiles allowed to be, per se, in the Lord's house itself? No, no, no. But he, but here in God's eternal kingdom, the Gentiles are not only equals as, as as part of being the people of God, and so that that's, it was kind of it's just one of these little nuances that you don't pick up, and I didn't pick up on it when I was just working through the Hebrew, but I was also working with uh, um, the the big Concordia commentary where they do like further exegetical notes, and uh, with, with that, uh, you know, for example, looking at, I mean, you, you see you see all sorts of things. I mean, I mean, just look like when it's reading Exodus, you know. It's translated all the time the ESV, the children of Israel, but that's not the Hebrew. The Hebrew is actually sons of Israel, right? You know, sons of Israel. And reminds us that Israel, of course, is Jacob's other name, and these are the sons of Israel, and then also the head of the sons. And this is hence why we, the genealogies are, are so important. But the sons of Israel is, is actually what the, what, the, what the English should be translated. But you, over time, you've seen all sorts of things. For example... Um, one of my favorite things to point out this, I didn't look at this passage during my sabbatical, but, but looking at this years and years ago, it's in Genesis chapter four, when Eve has Cain, right? You know, you, almost every translation, I've gotten a, a man with the help of the Lord. No, what's, what's Eve's anticipation from God's promise in Genesis 315, that she will, that the Messiah will come, the one who will crush the head of the serpent, right? And so that the Hebrew is I've begotten a, a man, the Lord. And so she is thinking uh, God's gonna deliver on his promise immediately and God's son is gonna be born immediately of me. She didn't understand virgin birth and all this other, but so, so she's wrong, but yet you see that her faith is already in the faith of the Old Testament is in the coming Messiah, God's son, who would save mankind. And so you see, So I mean, there's just innumerable things you, you you see when you work with, and, and, when you work with the original languages, and I'll talk about, I'll have a quote from Luther about the importance of the original languages a little bit later on today. Okay, so uh, other questions or what, what, I mean, to an extent I'm here as your servant, as your pastor, what do you want to hear about, you know, uh, my sabbatical? My intention next week would be to have some, um, you know, pictures, for example, of, of the Luther sites. Okay, if you haven't seen that in a while, uh, is that all right? Is that a bad idea, good idea? So it's so, okay, okay. Um, and and I obviously, you know, the beautiful thing about having a, a, a cell phone now and, and it is that you can take picture after picture after picture, you know, as opposed to, um, so, so I, can, I, can, I can bore people with the best of them, but, and, and, um, and the interesting sights, but, but the object is not to have a travel log of all these places, but rather to help you grow in Christ. And, and so maybe it's from Luther's sites, but is there anything else you, you want to see or hear about? Okay. Not right now, but over time you might, right? There you go. So, okay. So let's just begin. Um, and, and I'll begin with uh, um, two key questions I, I came across, uh, I think, about a year and a half ago. Have any of you ever heard of issues, et cetera? so I would commend to you if you, if you, if you have access to listening to podcasts, do, and issues, et cetera, is great. Yeah, I mean, it breaks up into little segments, stuff like this, that, it, the, the good news. That, and, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to it at 1.5 speed. I think Patrick Clammer listens to even faster than that, but I, I, can't, I can't, my mind's too slow now. I can't do that, you know? So, so but, um, but oh, a little while ago, there was a, a a former public school or government school educator named joshua Pauling he's uh elder of his church and he's uh he he was talking about it um you know and how to think properly about educating children in the lord and really advocating by the time he gets to the end of it you know traditional education um you know i.e returning to education before say 1920 because you know pretty much anything after 1920 is heavily influenced especially by Man named John Dewey, and notice the first two letters of his of his last name, because it's the same number of letters too as devil, right? You know, Dewey Dewey is the uh, really the father of modern American education, um, but also one of the original signers of the Humanist Manifesto. And he's overtly trying to undermine the Christian Church. Okay, I mean he he makes no bones about it. his educational theories are meant to be against the Church. He he's he's doesn't believe in God. So he's very, very overt about that. But Pauline, um, who's this Lutheran, he was, he had taught in, in schools and he talked about, for example, uh, you know, when he was teaching government school at a high school that, that the software in the library would intentionally um, call, uh, wouldn't go to certain websites, such as the Council on the Family, which is a conservative organization about traditional families where husband, wife, children, you know, not speaking about homosexuality, some of this, they'd be blocked on public high school sites and stuff. And this, talk about software, you know, stuff of like this. But so he's, he wrote a series of essays called Schoolhouse Rots. Not Schoolhouse Rocks, but Schoolhouse Rots. Okay, and so, and so Pauline comes back and says, you've got to answer two questions. Two questions constantly. You have to be very serious about these questions, constantly, and I just, I just thought, boom, this guy's great. Here's the two questions. What is reality? What does it mean to be human? What is reality? What does it mean to be human? Most people don't even think about those questions. OK. Now, when you answer the question, what is reality, ultimately, you'll find that there only could be two real answers. One is a kind of a materialist answer, right? That basically means that you are an assembling of carbon atoms, and when those carbon atoms no longer function together, you're gone. And that's it. And life has no meaning, you have no meaning, you are as valuable to the universe as a cockroach that you stepped on, right? And so hence my, my the materialistic view would mean that you are a fourth cousin to a cockroach. Just think about it that way, right? Okay, or we live, and of course, there's other vi- permutations, because obviously you have DS and stuff like this, and, and there's problems with deism, or we live before God, who created the heavens and the earth, who's holy, and who's with me at all times. Okay? And that's the reality. That I am always in the presence of the Lord. But more than that, I'm always in the presence of a holy, and gracious Lord. That is reality. And so, how does it permeate through, with children? Is that is the idea of raising children is to raise them in the in the Lord, in the fear of the admonition of the Lord, as as, as Ephesians 6 would tell. Uh, fathers to do, right? So reality is always before the Lord, and we just have to be uncompromising about this. And this actually goes back to our Lutheran roots, because a lot of people, when they start to think about Martin Luther, they think in terms of the proper distinction of law of gospel, right? You know, the righteousness by, by faith. Our righteousness is Christ's righteousness that we obtain by faith in Christ Jesus, right? As Lutherans. But to understand Luther, you really have to understand that he was acutely aware that he's always before God. And so if I'm always before God, how do I stand before him? So Coram Dale, how do I stand before God? And obviously before he has his gospel breakthrough, it's fearful, I'm before God and he's gonna judge me. now in Christ Jesus, when he understands justification by faith, we now live joyously because I live before the Lord who redeemed me and now God is on my side. Hence, Romans 8.31, if God is for us, what? Who can be against us? That's fine. I, I know how the story ends. and I know who's in control of the story. It's Jesus. And so it's all, all good. Okay, so what is reality and what does it mean to be human then? And so, what does it mean to be human? Of course, this is one of the great questions that philosophers and people have been trying to answer throughout the ages. But if, it's, if what it means to be human is not in reference to the reality of living before God, a gracious God who redeems us in Christ Jesus, then we will never truly understand what it means to be human. And so these are the great questions. Of course, Pauline then, then the works this out on how that, that would apply in the classroom, but these are just great questions. What is reality and what does it mean to be human? And so, so ever since I, I heard those two questions, it's it just come, you know, come back to it over and over and over again. Okay. Any questions, comments? I do that so I can sip my coffee, you know that, right? So, so. okay. Um, so, in view of, of this, I want to go back to some very simple words about, about reality, okay, and about what it means to be human, um, and what it means, that, therefore, to be, to be Lutheran. 'Cause to be Lutheran is to is to understand these questions correctly according to the scriptures, and our confessions rightly express this. Okay? So there's this marvelous passage in, in Revelations chapter twelve. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars, and she was with child. She cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was, who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who was to rule all the nations with the rod of iron, and her child was taught up, caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, so that she would be nourished for 1,260 days. Okay, um, and so this is, this is really a, um, a marvelous picture of really all of history. See, this woman would be Israel, and the, but it continues on as the church. And so it's very important to understand the continuity of faithful Israel with the Christian church. This is a continuity, not a discontinuity. Very important to understand that. For example, the the, um, book of James, with the 12 tribes of the diaspora, right? And so, um, 1 Peter, once you're not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you've not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Who spoke those words originally was Hosea, right? And now, to, to a people that's unfaithful, because material Israel in the Old Testament largely speaking the old testament was faithful or unfaithful unfaithful basically most of the old testament's one one big warning but also promise the promise of a gracious god but basically the actions of israel for the most part unfaithfulness right and so now these words are applied but now they're applied to the church because now the people of god um and then also who's called us out darkness into his marvelous light so this continuity of the church of all time so the woman gives birth to christ now obviously there was a physical woman mary who gives birth to christ but she is a faithful part of the church and and then we have it kind of truncated because now he's ascended and rules with the rod of iron and now the woman is nourished by a place prepared by god for 1260 days that's the christian church and how does god nourish his church It's through word and sacrament right and so now we've been separated. And so here we are today at Bethany Lutheran Church, here in Naperville, separated from the word to be world to be nourished by the Lord, by His word and His blessed sacrament, so that we would survive in the world until God delivers His church at the end of time. And hence you have the final, time, the, the final judgment and then, and then the new heavens and new earth. And, but later on, but actually earlier, we had Revelation chapter seven, the, the whole company of the saints uh, glorifying the Lord in Revelation chapter seven, um, but I think Revelation twelve is just a, this very helpful passage. Okay, so this is the church in the fallen world. Now, what I'm going to do right now is 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 then to show you how this plays out in our Lutheran theology in the Augsburg Confession. Is anyone here not extremely familiar with when I say the word Augsburg Confession, why it's significant? If you aren't 100% sure why I talk about the Augsburg Confession so much, raise your hand if you're not 100% sure. Okay, very good. Okay, okay. So basically, um, so Reformation in a nutshell. Okay, uh, Luther, okay, lightning, da 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 da. He goes and, he, and he, he's he begins teaching as this augustinian at the university of wittenberg and they and he has to teach scriptures so he starts reading scriptures especially the books of hebrews psalms and romans and galatians and he has to give lectures on them and and especially he's disturbed by this phrase righteousness of god and he thinks that it's my righteousness before god then then when he understands Romans chapter 1 probably that it's God's righteousness for me in Christ Jesus all the scriptures open up to him and now Being saved by grace alone through faith alone is so key. Okay, so so but that's a little bit later on Luther's also troubled by the by you know the corruption and the selling of indulgences cetera, Like this we so protest that with 95 reasons why this is wrong to sell indulgences well it blows up. It gets a little bit bigger. And Luther keeps on thinking and praying and studying the scripture. And, he, and then he uh, uh, keeps forcing. Then he, then he comes to his gospel understanding. And then in 1521, he's ushered before the emperor. And he's told, you take it all back. And I have it quoted here. he you got a little bit ahead of time. On the backside, unless I'm convinced by the testimony of scriptures, or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or councils alone, man, that's a bullet to shoot, isn't it, back then? It's well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, he's saying this to the emperor, by the way, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything since it's neither safe nor right to go against conscience. I can do no other. Here I stand. May God help me. Amen. And so Luther then knows he's going to die, except in his elector, his ruler, we'll talk more about this next week, some of the ins and outs of this, hides him in a castle. Luther translates the New Testament. Other people join with Luther. We want to hear the gospel too. So we don't call ourselves Lutherans originally, we call ourselves the evangelicals, right? The gospel people. Hence the evangelical Lutheran church. Lutheran is a name attached to us a little bit later on because you follow Luther, you don't follow the church. Okay, it's pejorative at first. Okay, but we gladly accept that right now. Okay, so, so we got all these evangelicals and so then they come out and so Luther says, okay, what do we got here? They start visiting the church, in 1526. And by the way, Luther's married by this time, having children, 1526, what do we got here? This parish pastor doesn't even know the Apostles' Creed. Over here, the people think it's too hard to memorize the Lord's Prayer. Goes to one parish, and out of 100 families that could attend that parish, only three are attending. What pagan pigs these Germans are! You know, so, so and by the way, you, you should read the preface to both the large and small catechisms. So, so Luther writes a small catechism. Meanwhile, the emperor finally can turn his attention because the emperor also was the king of Spain. And, and, and he was fighting against the French, and so he had all sorts of things. So finally, in 1530, he says, let's see if we can have some peace. And he asked the Lutherans, tell me what you teach. Meanwhile, uh, one of the Catholic writers tried to group the, the Lutherans with these other real radicals who were tearing down churches and tearing down stained glass. And so the Lutherans had to go to Augsburg and say, here's what we teach. And so Philip Melanchthon writes something called the Augsburg Confession. He writes something in 1530, and and it's read in German with the windows open. Why? Because it's common, people can hear it, okay? And then, uh, obviously, it's rejected, but the Augsburg Confession is the beginning, the seminal confession of what it means to be a Lutheran. It starts out, God, Um, uh, Jesus, the Incarnation, Article 1, Article 2, Article 3, original sin, but then article four, and so this is like the seminal doctrine of, of the Lutheran church. Also they teach, that's us, that men cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works, but are justified freely for Christ's sake through faith when they believe that they're received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake, who by his death has made satisfaction for our sins. This faith God imputes for righteousness in his sight. Okay, so, so we're justified by faith. Okay, Article 5, I'm, I'm looking at my clock, and I'm a little bit behind, so just summarize Article 5. So now we're going to have pastors so that the Gospels preach the sacraments and minister, right? And the church is where the, the, the Gospels preaching is purity and sacraments ministered rightly. And that's very, very important. You know, hence the, the principle of um, you, you go to Walgreens, and outside this Walgreens uh, uh, rightly Bills, 97% of prescriptions. You go to Six Flags, 99% of riders were safe yesterday. You know, go to a restaurant, 98% of people didn't get sick yesterday. Do we accept any of that? No. What part of Jesus do you want me to get wrong when I preach or teach to you? Zero. We, we want to be in a church where the gospel is proclaimed as truth and purity and sacraments are administered right okay so these are thoughts you know as as a servant of christ here i am and as the people gathered underneath the word and sacrament that's who you are so so hence that so so now we turn our attention but but the authority for all this is not the augustburg confession that's a derived authority we are confessional lutherans yes i have pledged and the congregation's pledge that we will be confessional lutherans but it's a derived authority from what the word of god and hence I got a little bit. I already quoted Luther. You notice how dependent Luther is on a statement, the Word of God, right? The word of God. It's a, unless you convince me of Scripture, right? Reason I, to go against the Word of God is neither good. And so, so it's the Word of God. When God speaks, we we listen and we listen, and that's a that's a that's a further theme we'll talk about a little bit later on. So, I have before you some some wonderful from. Some wonderful passages. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Deuteronomy 8, 3, which will be quoted by Jesus in Matthew 4, 4. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, or did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And Jesus being tempted by Satan to turn stones into bread, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We sang this next verse in the liturgy, in the divine service one, and we'll sing it again in the 11 o'clock service. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And then Jesus' last words in the Gospel of Matthew, jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe what all that i've commanded you behold i'm with you always to the very end of the age the word command right there is not to be understood legalistically but all that i've commanded you is also when jesus tells the paralytic his sins are forgiven. That's a command, right? That's, that's a command. And so, and so all that command is really all Christ's words. And so how much of Jesus' words are we to read, mark, learn, and digest? All of them, all four Gospels. And, but to know the Gospels, you need to know the Old Testament. Any other question? Yes. Yeah. 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 No, no, and so, and it's very helpful when talking to somebody with, with anxiety, something of this, who's worrying, is that is that it comes from Philippians chapter four: be anxious about nothing, but instead pray. You Knows our worries don't accomplish, but pray. Bring it, bring your worries with the Lord ten, a hundred times a day. But also, previous to that, is the Lord is at hand. You're always in the presence of the Lord and he's good and gracious. So, um, so I talked, we got these marvelous passages about this, and so I look at these passages and, and, and now look at my own self, part of the object of is to become more rooted in God's Word, especially as you know that Hebrew, because I've let, over the years of my ministry, let my Hebrew slide from very much so, very much so. And, then, and, and also, in the last 20 years since being at Bethany, I finished my STM at exegetical studies. I got it in 2002, but my last classwork was in 1999. And so I, I think 2001, I finished all my qualifiers. I had these, um, these massive exams, and I had an Old Testament qualifier that would include spot translation of, of Hebrew, and and the stipulation on the qualifiers you had to get every question right. And I got one question wrong, and so I had to do it again the next year. And so so. I just, Thousands of pages of reading and stuff like this, but but uh, so okay. Nature of the, the grad school is how high do you jump, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, first day of grad school at the St. Louis Seminary. This back in '92, I think, was professor says I didn't have a German done, my German qualifier. I Had to learn German to to be, to be in the graduate program. And says, what language do you know? Why isn't high school French? He said, good. He gave me a 31-page article in French about the structure of the book of Hebrews, and says you have the class presentation tomorrow. <laughs> and, so, and so, so okay how high how high do you jump okay so okay so the word of god so I, i've listed some bullet points of why what why the word of god is, is so important now we know that it's inspired in an errand. and so that's lift, that's left off this list because it's the word of god and he's not going to mix in you know stuff that that, that, so we have to sift out. You know, that's the higher critical stuff. We're going we're gonna to determine what the Word of God is and what's not the Word of God, right? And so what happens there is you end up, like pastor says in a sermon, you end up clipping Jesus so he conforms to you as opposed to the Jesus as he wants to be. The Holy Spirit works through the Word to create and sustain faith. This Word is how God brings you and keeps you in the faith. God, his works, and his will are revealed through the Word. You will not... Discover God's will and his works by looking at a sunset. Now you can see the creation, imagine think there might be a good God, or et cetera, like this, but that's, uh, no, no, that's a natural revelation will not truly reveal God to you. It has to be special revelation. God's word is the sole authority for life for us and for the church. And so how we live together as Bethany Lutheran Church is according to the word of God, okay? And this word has both demands, we talk about this, and also promises, i.e., law and gospel. And, and, and to, a, um, so we as Lutherans uh, speak about law and gospel. Melanchthon's funeral sermon for, for Luther spoke about this. Luther's, one of Luther's great contributions was law and gospel, being clear about law and gospel. And in the Missouri Senate, the, the initial president of the Missouri Senate was a man named C.F.W. Walter. He's in our stained glass window. He's the handsome one, right? No, he's not, yeah. <laughs> he's not, C.F.W. Walter. And C.F.W. Walter, uh, uh, he gave these lectures on Friday evenings to seminarians, and they were put together and compiled called uh, Law and Gospel, okay? And currently on issues, et cetera, they're going through all the, his 24 theses, and they're going through, I think like a nine or 10 on issues, et cetera, like this, very helpful, been very helpful for me to review that. Okay, so that's the Word of God, okay? So. So we as, okay, so Lutheran pastors, we go to seminary and, and we have a seminarian here, Zygmas. And Zygmas, what did you study this summer? He studied Greek. He studied Greek. And so we, we want our pastors, as Luther says, the, the gospel is sheathed in the languages. We want our pastors to know the languages. And so, um, and so in, in my own life, uh, um, you know, I, I praise God that, that somehow he worked something in me. Because I get to Concordia and Arbor and they say you gotta take Greek, okay? You gotta take Hebrew. So I say, okay, I will. And so we we work extensively in Greek and, and, and Hebrew. Um, and 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 it was so much so. I, Greek two at Concordia and Arbor, there's 20 of us in the class, including the current head of the CTCR, Joelbauer, Dr. Joel Leenbauer. Now the of 20 of us, three of us passed that final in Greek two. Passed. John Schwane was a legend in his own time in Concordia and Arbor. Um, I, 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 I'm very proud. I'm one of the three. I got a D. Hey, hey, I, 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 hey! I, hey, I, I, when he got, I was very proud. However, however, there's no curve, so I got a C for the course. Only see every got in college. He didn't curve anyone's grade. great. he so didn't flunk people out, but you just really hurt your grade, right? Yeah. So he, but he just, but he's a magician in teaching. And so, so I get to seminary, and. Um, one day in, um, at, at seminary, you know, Paul Meyer, no, no, uh, Dale Meyer, he eventually became a Lutheran speaker and president of the seminary, some of this was teaching, he's a New Testament professor. And he, he thinks that Joel Hoyer sleeping in class. And you don't sleep in Dale Meyer's class. So he says, you know, Hoyer, translate. Opens the New Testament, translates the passage. And, and then Meyer said, you must be an Ann Arbor grad. You know, so, so, um, so we look at it and says, yeah, yeah, we got scars to prove it. So it's a, um, so, so, but, but understand Greek. So, for example, you notice, what did I do as far as the, the Revelations text? What did I do? I used the, the NASB. Because in this particular passage, it's closer to the Greek than, than this. Last Sunday's sermon, um, I, I altered the... It wasn't my suggestion, by the way. It was a suggestion by, by, by Jeff Gibbs, who wrote the Matthew Commentaries. but. And then he proved extensively. I, I, what I read was not the ESV. I altered one word of it. Um, but in the sermon, I I quoted Mark 10:45, which had the exact same Greek Greek construction as in Matthew chapter 15. And so I translated it the exact same way. For even the son of man came not to be served, with, but but for even um, the dogs eat from the, the crumbs from the table. You know, the woman is a confession of faith so 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 Greek you pick up on little little things in Greek there are three words for the the word and there's three different words and when we start picking that up for example Mark 1 and 2 you see a simple form of and all over the place what's Mark doing he's like a little child we got we got little children in the room right here or anyone little children this is Janetsky you know Do the children and oh, you got a kindergarten, Michelle's in kindergarten. And when they want to tell you their stories, they go, and, 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 and. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing to Mark. And Jesus, and immediately, and, and, and. It's like Mark is just spilling over Jesus left and right. And so so that's what's going on in Mark 1 and 2. It's just like, and, 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 and. And they're all like one big and, right? And so you see this when you read in Greek. And, and, and all sorts of things. I mean, there was a situation with the, with the NIV where, you know, they got these little headings that aren't part of the Greek New Testament, right? Where, where the NIV and Ephesians, they, as Ephesians chapter 4, they broke up one sentence in Greek with two different headings. Oh, you don't do this, don't do this. So, so Greek is very important, and, and it just comes alive. But also what reading Greek and Hebrew does is makes because I don't know Greek and Hebrew extremely well. I am not bilingual or trilingual at all. Anyone who has a second language that you know a little bit, what does it force you to do? Slow down. You have to pay attention to what? Every single word. Which, by the way, is not bad when you're reading the Bible for yourself. Slow down. Slow down. When I was in in Germany, my German is not good, and so langsama. slower, slower, slower. Speak to me slower. I, I, I'll pick it up, but speak to me very slowly. <laughs> but, and even then, sometimes it wasn't any good. But, but Greek and Hebrew it forces you to look at every single word and what's the relationship of every single word to the other words in the sentence. So what is God saying through this word? And so this is what you what you have. So, so I spent and, and it's still a work in progress. You know my my Hebrew. I mean it's going to take me a long time to get back where I was as a senior in college um, or or as a was a grad student with chris mitchell you know um in grad school when i took joe over songs but it, but it's made a work in progress why for your sake so that when i read so to to read the bible is to understand so that i might speak clearly to you the word of god my fourth year of seminary i was thinking about continuing on grad school immediately but i, but I decided i'm tired i'm tired so i would take a call i did not feel like i had the energy to immediately start my an STM but but before when I was thinking about it and and I'd line up all, my fourth-year classes were all really Had not very helpful for you right other than to hear all the bad stuff being written by Germans, right? You know I mean Germans and I, I am I'm half German But if you want to know most bad things that have happened to Christian theology look to Germany, right? You know that's where higher criticism came. From. Oh, just these Germans these Germans these Germans, you know, I mean um, but but basically, so I went to my New Testament professor, and also he's a confidant, almost like a pastor to me, and 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 he's a Roman scholar. And I said, okay, I want to do some work, I, and, and in in the New Testament, he says, okay, if you want to do the New Testament, you have to study the Old Testament inside and out. You have to study the Old Testament inside and out. If you want to know the New Testament, you have to understand the, Old if you understand the Old Testament. You want to understand the Old Testament, you must understand the ancient Near East, right? And so, and, so, but, and so, to get back to Hebrew, since I, I, I'm most in love with the New Testament, work through. Zygmas and I were talking, just saying how high, but he was saying Matthew's Greek is a little bit harder than John's Greek, right? You know, one thing to understand about Matthew's Greek is, is Matthew is one of the 12 apostles, and he is a what? Jew! And so when he writes in Greek, he's writing like a Jew would write, his grammar is, I mean, it, it's Jewish, his grammar is Jewish okay it's hebrew and so and and then he, and and the way you structure things and i don't want to get into it is everything is all this jewish stuff so you got to know hebrew to understand what Matthew's doing with his greek so it's very helpful and now i almost have to leave uh, because we have divine service but i, I left out one thing so this is if i've always suggested you know just kind of poke at other 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 schools of, of thought at the seminary that luther was an exegete Okay, Luther was an exegete. Traditionally, at seminary, you, know, you can divide up seminary education. Fort Wayne doesn't do this anymore, and they've done a really good job at Fort Wayne in the last 15 years or so, you know, about dividing up their education. But traditionally, when I was at the seminary, you have four schools of thought. You have exegetical, which is, you know, taking the Bible classes, you know, look at the book of Isaiah in Hebrew, then, then what is Isaiah saying about the word, of, about Christ and his ministry? Um, systematic, where you kind of put it all together. Doctrine of the Trinity, uh, the, um, original sin, you know, justification, the Lord's Supper, and others divided up into these categories that you now fit Bible passages into. System, systematics, right? Historical theology, looking at, at, at the history of the Christian church and, and how the Bible and, and, and what was taught in the Christian church and what happened, etc., like this. And then practical theology, as if speaking the Word of God is not practical, etc., like this. That was always. It kind of irked me a little bit, but Fort Wayne's kind of done away with that, but those are the four things. So, so my, my essay is an exegetical theology with a minor in historical theology, okay? And so, so, but Luther was an exegete. Luther was not a systematician. Luther drive you crazy when you read Luther. And We'll talk more about this next week. Is that, that Luther was addressing topics, but what made Luther Lutheran? was that they forced him, when he got to the University of Wittenberg in 1512, they forced him to teach scriptures. They kept him reading and he had all this baggage, you know, from, from past ways that the church was teaching scriptures. He started reading scriptures and he's very blessed because of humanism to start reading scriptures in Greek and then later on he studied Hebrew, start reading scriptures in the original languages and start interpreting scriptures not. What did this guy say in the 8th century? What did this guy say? But what does the Bible actually teach? So Luther comes to his understanding of the gospel from the word of God. And so the word of God is precious, is precious to to me, and I want it to be precious for your sake. And nothing I've said today, if I have to sum up all this, is I want it to be more rooted in Christ's word as I approach my sabbatical. I pray that you're also rooted in Christ's word. And so, you know, so read, hence I began this class with the, the college for the word, but we might read, mark, learn, and what inwardly digest, you know, just, just take a Bible passage, you know, just let it bother you for day after day, week after week, like, like righteousness of God bothered Luther. Or what, what does it mean, for example, in Genesis 1 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? What's that saying about me? What's it saying about my world? What's it saying about how God wants the world to be? What's it mean about how God might rescue the world? In other words, read, Martha and inwardly digest. When God speaks, we listen, and we just are filled with his word over and over and over again. And any questions or comments before I turn this thing off? Yes, yes, Lise.